Hi everyone, Alan here. Before we get to this interview, I just wanted to begin by thanking again, now after sitting down with my mom, thanking her for sitting down with me. She really doesn't like to talk about herself, but man, did she do a great job. I learned a lot about her with this conversation and I really want to encourage you all, if you and your parents are in a place where you can sit down and have this type of conversation, it would be so helpful. It was very helpful for both of us. I feel, even though she's not here to attest to that, but I believe she says so at the end of the interview. She also mentioned that there's no way she could have done this even just one year ago. So give it time. If your family is having a hard time with this, it's absolutely understandable that they would be feeling that way. Also, just one last announcement. We we did use new microphone equipment in an effort to help both my mom and I to feel like we were having a more casual conversation. We both sat back in our chairs and just held the mics without any mic stands, without leaning forward to uh, to talk into mics that were hooked up in a more professional manner. So for that reason, you'll hear some shuffling of the mics from time to time, but it's a minor price to pay. <laughs> Hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage in a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Elaine. And we're we're not married. Never have been. Who are I would hope not. No. Katie isn't with us today. She has been substituted for the second most important woman in my life. Is that okay to say? Third. Zara, is yeah. is my daughter supposed to be more important? Yeah. Well, I would what if she hasn't earned that yet? She's not a woman, so if you're going to be technical, technical about it. I'll be I'll be the second woman. <laughs> so you may have been able to figure out by now that Elaine Mount is my mother. Mommy. And we're so excited to have you on the are you as, we, as excited why do you say we we being everyone <laughs> listening is so excited oh, okay you know we have five million listeners <laughs> really yeah more five popular million. than mm. joe rogan mm. yeah we're very popular <laughs> she's shaking her head and i don't know just joe rogan you don't want to know who joe rogan <laughs> oh, is okay. it's fine you mean you've been begging me to be on a, a guest you on the podcast such a Blowhard. Is that a good word? I don't know. I will say this. So it is Sunday, April 19th. We invited you over for some dinner. Dinner. Yes. This was not in the plans. We no. were talking about, in fact, on our Facebook group, uh, we, we told the listeners that Katie and I are planning two episodes on the Word of Wisdom. Oh. And because a lot is, just so you know, a lot of couples have a hard time knowing how to handle the word of wisdom. I can imagine. And, and we're going to do that. We are going to do that episode, but when you were coming over, we're just not ready. We haven't done the research that we need to in order to, and the preparation that we want to make sure we do that. Those episodes really good, but you were coming over and literally right before you walked in the door and we have not hugged. We're still obeying um, social feet, distancing. Almost six feet. We turned to each other and I was like, Maybe I should ask my mom if we can interview her tonight. And we've talked about it a little bit. It's a good thing you didn't tell me before because I you wouldn't probably have wouldn't have enjoyed my dinner as much. <laughs> Thank you. Before I'm not an extrovert like my son. And... I, did I get that from my father? Oh, yes. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Well, I'm grateful for that trait. I enjoy it. I would like a little bit more of it, actually. But I think you've... You get what you get. and You get what you get. You but you can pitch a fit. You just... That's right. <laughs> You've learned to hold your own. Over I've the, come over out the of years. my shell a little bit. Yeah. For sure. 
for sure. It takes that to be a missionary because you are serving a mission right now. I am, sort of. Kind of. Yes. Now, what happened within a week of you moving into your apartment in Salt Lake City? They closed the library and uh, <laughs> so family closed history the library that you we were, were working We were the at. last group to come out of the MTC. That's right. Before it was closed. And now I'm in my little apartment. I've been in there for five weeks. Yeah. By myself. If you do the math... The earthquake hit just a couple days after you moved in. That was also exciting timing that I had. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we don't get to see you as much as we would hope with having you here, it's great to see you when we do. Yeah, and things are loosening up a little bit. They are loosening up a little. We didn't have you in the house until last Sunday, which was Easter. Yeah. And we're still kind of keeping our our distance. And And I wash and scour myself when I go home. That's right. And you probably spray everywhere I've been sitting. (laughs) Those six mounts, got to get them off of you. Absolutely. Well, the reason why we're having you on the podcast today is, I don't know if you know this, but we receive a lot of emails. We talk to a lot of people in a mixed faith marriage and there are three of the most common uh, topics in the email of how do I do this? One of the three is how do I talk to my parents about this? Mm. Whether it's the spouse who is still in not knowing how to tell her parents or his parents about their spouse's departure or faith transition or it's it varies per couple but then also like how do the one that is no longer believing how do you bring that up so what i thought we would do very difficult (laughs) you've been through it i've been through it a few Mm -hmm. times Mm -hmm. unfortunately i know Mm -hmm. what we thought we would do is spend a little time getting to know you because i know you love to talk about yourself (laughs) my favorite (laughs) topic And we'll just get to know you a little bit. We'll treat it like a normal interview. I'll pretend I don't know anything about you. So you don't know the question I'm asking. I might not know the answer to, but I'm just going to pretend like I do. And and then we'll we'll go into, um, this is more, this is for you and for the listener. We'll go into when did this, uh, a few of your children, when did that begin? How did it feel at first? I know that's not going to be an easy thing to talk about. And also over the course of this all happening in 2017, what are have some of the things that have made it easier for you to, I don't know if accept is the right word, but, but deal with this situation with your kids? Uh, how much of that was done by your kids versus just other outside support that you found? I think, what, is, what do you think? Do you think that's feasible to do in the next 45 minutes? Probably, yeah. Yeah, okay. We'll touch on it anyway. We'll we'll do as much as we can. You're super awesome and brave for <laughs> for for doing this. Before we jump in, you may notice that our sound. I don't know. Maybe our sound is better. Maybe it's not. But I would say this: it is much more comfortable now to record with two people. Usually, me and Katie. Now with me and you, because a couple of weeks ago on one of our episodes, we. I, my back was done because we were recording over one microphone and we would be hunched over it. Uh-huh. And so we just said, if anybody out there is able to donate so that we can get some microphones and a mixer so that we can have two microphones and just be more casual and not hunched over this, this one mic, that would be super helpful. And within a week, we had three donors. Uh, one, Brian, thank you so much, literally bought this these microphones that we're holding and shipped it to us wow. via Amazon. And Clark and Monta 
both donated exactly the amount of money we needed for the mixer. So thank you very much. That's very <clears throat> nice. To the three of you. My mother thanks you for the comfort. I'm amazed at the technology in front of me. There's a lot. We've got a halo light on the <laughs> webcam for when we when we live stream. There's this is the workspace. We're sitting in my office where I work and this space is like if I'm gonna sit here for ten hours a day, let's make, make it, it nice. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Let's start. Let's get to know who this Elaine Mount is. Okay. <laughs> where did you grow up? Let's start with that. My first 10 years of my life I spent in Scotland. I was born in Scotland. Kirkcaldy, yes. Kirkcaldy, near Edinburgh. If any of you economics majors um, are listening and recognize the name Kirkcaldy, that's where Adam Smith was from. That is right. The father of modern economics. In the middle of the town, there's a big hall called the Adam Smith Hall. I love it. And it was across the Firth of Forth from Edinburgh. Right the across. The Firth and Forth. The Firth of Forth. The Firth a, of Forth. Is a big inlet. A Firth is an inlet of water. I didn't know anything but Colin Firth before you had said <laughs> the name Firth. That's great. Okay. So we were right across, and our big vacation was to get on the train and go across the Firth of Forth and spend the day in Edinburgh. Wow. So at 10, you moved to... The United States. Yes, we did. You Long Beach, California. Long Beach, beautiful area. Beautiful at Long Beach, California. It was. And I mean, so your formative years were spent in Southern California? Yep. From 10. Well, we Most of your years my, were spent in All my years until 2009. Yeah. We were in that. California. That's right. So what was your, I mean, this being a mixed faith marriage uh, podcast, what was your religious upbringing? Well, Scotland is predominantly Presbyterian, I believe. Mm. And um, our family went to the Presbyterian Church. We went to the Church of Christ, too. And I don't know exactly why we did both, but we went to two different churches. might have been the children's part was the Church of Christ. And um, anyway, we, we went to those two churches. And then when we moved to Long Beach... We sought out a Presbyterian church. And you found it. And found it and yeah, went to that for a number of years. I remember going to a few Presbyterian masses. What do you call mass? Just service. Services on Christmas. I remember yeah. doing Christmas with Grandma. Yeah. Grandma Minnie. Grandma Minnie. I mean, Minnie. you think of the most Scottish, Scottish people, and this was Grandma Minnie and, <laughs> and Grandpa David. Yep. They were, if you've seen So I Married an Axe Murderer. That was them. That's, I mean... It's a very good depiction of the Scottish marriage relationship. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so you're in, now you're in Long Beach. Obviously, you didn't grow up LDS. No. So how did you get introduced to the church? Actually, my, we moved a lot when I was in California because my dad worked for a company that built nuclear power plants and it took two years to build a plant and he was the accountant, so... They moved. We moved every two years, which was really hard. I didn't like it. But one of the moves, my sister and I met some people who, some kids who were members of a Baptist church, and we got really friendly with the family, and we started going to the Baptist church. Yeah. And my parents... With were, your parents? Or no, with... they, were, they were still Presbyterian okay. church. Now, there wasn't a big difference in the doctrine. There was some. Sure. But... As kids, it was probably more of a social thing. Right. But it was a more open religion, more... um, The Presbyterian Church was very kind of... 
orthodox? Yeah. And, you, you know, you go on Sunday, go to the meeting, and then that was it. You, okay. The um, the Baptist church was a little more relaxed, and we got to know the members more outside of the Sunday meeting. All right. So my sister and I, from the time I was a freshman in high school, uh, from then on, I went to the Baptist church. Wow. Okay. So then all throughout high school, basically? Yep. Uh, your introduction to the LDS church. Um, when and, I, well, let me, actually, your parents were fine with you going to the Baptist church? They were okay with that. Um, my sister was three years older than me, and at one point we wanted to join the church, and my parents did not want us to do didn't that. Do, no. No, they didn't <laughs> mind that we went, and but they didn't want us to join. My sister went ahead and joined because she was 18, I think, and... And I wasn't, so I didn't. Yeah. But that caused a little friction in the family, but I don't remember it going on for very long. Okay. Religion has always been important to me and and her for yeah. some reason. Well, I mean, you have memories throughout your whole life with it, it looks like, right? From Presbyterian to Baptist. and. But it wasn't like, it wasn't a, a, a topic in our home. Really? Okay. Yeah. So you went to church, you would come back, and then you're going yeah. about your life. That yeah. was it. I don't really remember your parents talking religion at all. Nope. With us. No. Not at we all. didn't ever talk about it. We sometimes had a prayer, but not very often at the meal. That happened later. You know, when I was an adult and I'd go back to my parents, they would always have a little blessing on the food. But I don't remember that so much as a child. Hmm. Although I thought about religion more than just on Sunday, but it yeah. wasn't a discussion point in our family. Interesting. Did you want it to be, or is it just kind of that's what it was? That's just what it was. Okay. Yeah. Was it after high school they got introduced to the LDS church, or during? We moved down from, we lived in Cucamonga when I was in high school, California. Yeah. And then we moved down to Anaheim when I was a junior, the middle of my junior year, which was traumatic for me. It was very, very hard because I was very shy. Thank you for not moving in the middle of my junior year. Yeah. It was good to keep those friends. I was so happy to have my kids. We stayed in the same school district for 40 years. Yeah. That was a big help, man. And you guys probably wouldn't have had as much trouble as I did, but I I really struggled. Sure. Because I was very, very shy. Anyway, one of the first people I met at school was um, a Baptist girl and so i started going to church with her yeah and my parents were still they had found a presbyterian church and so i mean they didn't it wasn't an issue yeah but i felt i started feeling kind of alone at some of the activities because my family wasn't there okay so at the baptist church you started to feel alone a little bit because you were there yeah you had some new friends you were making but it was like you're probably seeing other families that are there together, together yeah Huh. Okay. So that was in my junior, senior year. Oh, in the middle of my senior year, one of the girls that I sat next to in school alphabetically was a member of the church. Of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Yeah. We both, our names were ST. And so we got to be friends and she said, I'd like you to go to the steak dance with me. And I had no idea what a steak dance was. Yeah, and uh, what did you think it was? I thought it was probably a dinner and a dance, and you're going to get some steak. <laughs> yeah, what a what a church! <laughs> she took me to the steak dance. Um, that was in January, 
1965. Mm, I know the timeline, so I think I know where this is headed. Yeah. And so I, the first boy that I met there was Baptist. And we, <laughs> and we dated a little bit. That could have backfired hard on the, on the church. On the church, yeah. In August of that year, I met Dad at the dance. Jimmy D. Jimmy D. Did he go by Jim still then, or was he Jimmy because he was younger? It depended. His family called him Jimmy. Okay. But, but he was pretty much Jim to me. He was Jim. Yeah, he okay. was never Jimmy to yeah. me. But um, anyway, we met. He was actually the first dance that I met him at. He was in a group called the Last Day Singers, and they sang at intermission of this dance. This was a dance in Long Beach that every week there was like 350 kids there. It yeah. was huge. People came from miles around to this yeah. dance. So I had been going there since... Um, January, met him in August, and he just kind of swept me off my feet. It was easy for him because he was physically, <laughs> describe him physically at that point. He was six foot eight, and I don't know how much he weighed. I mean, he was thin, but yeah. but he was strong. He's a basketball player, he was a basketball hard player worker in college. Yeah. yeah. And I was just going into college, and he just kind of took over and said, I'll go with you. I'll, I'll get you signed up and, you know, we'll sign up for your classes. And it wasn't online or anything. So you had to go and sure. He met me that day and we went out the next weekend together. <laughs> Happened fast. But <laughs> so soon after that, I assume you started dating. We and... both were, we both were dating someone else at okay. the time, but we both broke like, up see, pretty uh, fast. Going with Jim. Yeah. So how soon after you started dating did the conversation about the church, and not that it was a single conversation, but when yeah, did it become I, clear that if this was going to go somewhere, just how did that introduction yeah, you know, to I, the church itself, if I you remember? I don't remember the timing month-wise. I know that we started, he would go to church with me in the morning. I would Baptist? Yes. And then he, and then I would go with him. Because his sacrament was in the afternoon. Yeah. And then I do remember a lot of times we would sit in the car and argue about... Argue about... It wasn't just discussing. It was arguing. It was arguing. Yeah. What were some of the... Was it just uh, probably the big differences between yeah. Mormonism and Christianity that you had grown up with? Yeah. What were some of the... I mean, this is more of a detour question, but I think it's important is what are some of the things about... Just if you can rewind to that point in your life, what are some of the like tenets of Christianity that really spoke to you? To me, yeah, like what what of the Baptist and Presbyterian faith? Yeah, yeah, like what, and I'm sure many of them still carry through to your beliefs. That's well, so I believed to you. strongly in the Bible, yeah, and so I felt that as I got into investigating the Mormon Church, I not even formally investigating, but just finding out about it. Yeah. I didn't see the need for another book another of scripture. Book. Yeah. And so that was or a big three more. Yeah. <laughs> so that was an issue. Um, and then, um, you know, I don't, the Trinity, I remember the Trinity being a topic of discussion. Yeah. And um, I, I think I was basically very defensive. Mm. It's hard not to be. With yeah. The, your very core held beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. So we we did have a lot of heated discussions, yeah. and uh, 
I don't know if that was good or bad, but that's what it was. Yeah. I'll ask the question two different ways. What convinced you then to join the Mormon church? The other way of asking that is tell me about your conversion story. Oh, okay. So dad very either wisely or cunningly said, I will take missionary lessons from your church if you will take them from my church. <laughs> I don't know if he knew that we didn't have any missionaries. But right, but he knew he that probably he did. did. Yeah. We had missionaries, but they all went to Africa. They didn't they didn't teach locally. Right. right. So yeah. I said, Okay, so then we started the missionary lessons. Again, I think I was very defensive in most of the lessons and I I wasn't open you know, I wasn't really open to finding out I was just trying to prove my point. Yeah. You said at the beginning of the podcast, you're pretty introverted. Very. And I can attest to this. I've got 37 years of experience to attest that, but it's already easy to argue, argue about, about religion, but now add that you're an introvert and you could feel like a dog backed into a corner if everybody in the room is believes differently than you. Yeah. Do you, so looking back to you, was there a moment, a pivotal moment in the discussions that something kind of clicked or something changed? There definitely was. At one point, this the young elders turned me over to the stake missionaries. There were stake missionaries yeah. at that time. And I guess the elders can work with you for a certain amount of time. And like, then, oh, we got to get rid of this one. Yeah, this one's going nowhere. <laughs> get rid of her. So, this is a dead end, guys. So they sent me to the um, stake missionaries. And so we started meeting in their house. And his wife was present. And I remember that being a different feeling. Okay. So when there was another woman or just no, the home itself? just their or? home. Okay. And, and their relationship. They, sure. You know, just watching them together. I remember kind of being a little bit like, oh, I, you know, I really like their relationship. And so anyway, that was kind of maybe the beginning. I think we only had two or three lessons there, though. But the, the one lesson, and I think that dad, maybe both of us fasted. Yeah. I know dad fasted because I had gotten to the point where I said, I said, you know, I don't know that we should be together anymore because mm. this isn't going anywhere. And it was important to me that we'd be together on religion because I had had those years when I wasn't. And you knew what that and felt I, like. And I knew that I wanted to be united in that. Sure. So um, I had said that to him, and he didn't like that at all. At that point, you had six lessons, and I had already had the six lessons. And so it, the missionaries were kind of doing a recap of this yeah. La it wasn't even the last lesson. It was just they were going through everything, you know, all at once. I had this just this really strong experience that I just that just came over me suddenly at the end of this meeting that this was good. This was yeah. right. Yeah. And that I mean I can't explain it. Especially to you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you can delete that if you want. <laughs> I don't want to delete that. You have every right to make any comment you want. Well, it is a little... And, and on, it's a little strange. Having this conversation like this? Explaining spiritual experiences to people, period. Sure. Then to explain it to, you know, a family member who no longer believes that. It's, yeah. it's a little odd yeah but I, understand. Um, I had this very strong feeling that this was right dad's story was that these people had this big mirror on their wall and he was looking at them in the mirror at me and he said he could just see my face change mm. and um and i remember leaving that house just feeling almost 
like elated. I yeah. I just felt like I was kind of floating. It was a beautiful experience. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, I certainly was. So, That's awesome. Thank you. And honestly, hey, I have a hard time judging my own experiences, so yeah. I'm certainly not going to judge yours. Yeah. So that's that's Thank great. You. That's really good. You know, you have a courtship. You it ends up working out. You join the church. Joined the church. And, you wait a year. Um, had a lot of friends. Had a lot of oh friends yeah. that were kind of not wanting me to do that. Sure. Watch out for those Mormons, you know. And and my parents weren't happy about it. Did you, it were was you different worried? Than me joining, or because I never did it was join different the Baptist. Than Baptist. It though. was, yeah. It was a bigger. You think there's just a negative? Leap. The Mormon Church, it's kind of has this chip on its not chip on its shoulder, but there's just a negative connotation a for a lot of, a, of other Christian faiths. There is a little bit of it. I think there still is. My also, my parents. I remember them saying, "Oh, here she goes again." Like you know, <laughs> she's done this before. Here she's going to go to another one now. Right. You know. Right. This and isn't so, going to stick. No. It stuck. <laughs> they loved your dad, which good was a positive. They they just really thought a lot of him and so that probably helped the situation. They did, they didn't come to my baptism and they Was that hard that they didn't come or did you get it? I got it. I mean, it could be hard and you could get it at the same time. I, mean, I don't remember being extremely disappointed that they didn't yeah. come. I mean, it, it happens and it's funny to think of this experience of you leaving one faith going to the other when we're on a podcast talking about leaving one faith and sometimes it goes to another other times it goes nowhere i know <laughs> or, well believe me i've thought of that in relationship to my kids yeah making these changes yeah. when we'll get there for sure we mm. last week we were talking with natasha helfer parker in our little online course that we're doing and and she made that connection. She said, you, you know, think about people leaving their faith and joining our church. And it's celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. But if someone leaves ours, it's it's the end of the world. And what about the people that are in that other faith that just got left? Like, they're, they're feeling bad, too. So it's more about just groups in general. Mm-hmm. It's celebrated when people either think or believe the same. And that it's it's hard when they decide not to anymore. Whatever the belief is. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, okay. So you're married. What? Um, married in the temple? We got married civilly. First. Believe it or not, nobody said anything to me about the temple. When you were... Really? When, yeah. When we we were engaged, getting ready to get married, no bishop never talked to me about the temple. <laughs> I'm flabbergasted. I know. I, it was... <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I didn't even really know about the temple. Was So you're engaged, you're not thinking like, oh, this is great, I'm going to be married, I'm going to be sealed to him forever. Was the whole teaching of eternal families something that was like, this is perfect? Or was it more of the, it's important that we have the same faith, I've had this experience, and so now I get that? Yeah, I would say that. Okay. That it was more of a personal, spiritual feeling. So I wasn't married, drawn okay. to eternal because I don't remember that being a big discussion. So you got married civilly first. We got married in August, and um, I had been baptized in April. We got married in August, a year to the day that we had met. Right. Then we moved up to a different area. So we were not... See, at first we were in the ward that Dad had grown up in. Mm-hmm. And then we moved, and we were in a new ward, new young ward, and... They had us attend a temple preparation class, 
And so we started doing that, and that's where I started hearing right. you know, explained to me. So in April, the following April, our bishop gave us our recommend, stake president gave us our recommend, we'd go to the temple, and we'd go into the temple, and they say, well, you can't go through the temple because you've, you haven't been married for a year. Because so, it was from and they August didn't tell you to that? April. You didn't tell them that? Whoa. So you did, they didn't tell you that until you were in the temple? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Getting in the front door of the temple, and they this said... This is not me acting surprised. I did not know. I do not know this story. No, I, maybe I haven't told you that. <laughs> I've told some people, but um, anyway, it's not a secret. Sure. But anyway, they looked at our recommend, and my baptism date was a year. Was a year. Isn't that the rule? That's Wasn't the way that the rule? it is now. Oh. But back then, you had to be married a year okay. civilly. Before yeah. you could go to the temple. Interesting. So there we are, standing, you know. <laughs> now and, what? And there were several people from our ward who came, because there was another family being sealed that day. And so our bishop happened to be there. And so they said, well, let's, let, we're going to talk to your bishop. And so they talked to him. And then they came back, and then they said, well, we're going to call Salt Lake. And so they called Salt Lake. They came back later, and I didn't. You know, I was so new. Yeah. What were you thinking? I didn't at this really point? I, I just didn't know what to think. Mm. I was so I was probably very nervous. I remember having a bad headache at mm. the end of the day. Yeah, and that probably contributed to it because I didn't know anything about the temple. Right. Jim's parents nor mine had been. And uh, right. And, and they all we knew there. was what we had learned in that class and it wasn't like the classes today. It was more of the history of the temple and Sure. They came back out and said that the first presidency had given us permission to to go ahead and go through the temple that day. So let's see. This is 1967? 67, yeah. So the first presidency at that time, David it was David O'McKay, O'McKay and his counselors. Fellow Scotchman. It was N. Eldon Tanner and I think Marion G. Romney. Okay. Ooh, midst Papa. Yeah. All right. Very cool. So we go through the temple, and it was very... New. Unusual. Sure, sure. (laughs) And um, a lot of people can relate to their first experience. I remember mine very well. And the next day was Fast Sunday. And I told the entire ward of how it was so weird, but I'm excited to go back and learn more. And um, the patriarch pulled me aside after sacrament and ripped me a new one for saying what I had said. Really? Wow. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, your story. Well, no, I, (laughs) I, I remember in years after that worrying about when my kids went through because i it, it was different to me yeah and i thought what are my kids going to feel like you know are they sure. going how are they going to feel about this anyway as far as i knew you all had good experiences mm-hmm. i didn't have a bad experience it wasn't a bad experience no it was just very it was very different it was and, very different yeah, yeah yeah i interpret it differently now than i did before but while i was still in it wasn't it wasn't anything of alarm to me mm-hmm. So, yeah. So Now you're married. Now we're married in the so, temple. So looking at the time, we're 35 minutes in. So it would be great oh to... <laughs> now this is probably halfway point-ish. Ish, yeah. And so it would be very cool. Talk. Let's talk about raising the kids. You're raising them in the church. What were some things that you felt like the church really helped with? What were the things that raising kids in the church uh, was... was really good and we won't even flip the coin and say what was really bad but it's it's why was the church important in your everyday family life well it definitely gave us a structure Mm -hmm. to um for teaching 
which and we tried to teach in the home. I don't think we were as effective as we never felt. I never felt like we were as effective as we should be. And um, that's just probably my nature. But um, I felt like um, they we were given good information, good um, structure sure. to help us to teach. All of you guys were pretty... <laughs> rambunctious i would say we did not have you're being nice we never had any picture perfect family home evenings those were hard weren't they right they were really hard (laughs) starting with the oldest yeah down to the youngest oh good i'm (laughs) glad that the um, oldest got thrown under the bus before me that's good he was he was tough too you know he was He's a, you know, he's a tickler and a toucher and that's, yeah. he just couldn't sit still. Anyway, <laughs> we probably should cut that out. <laughs> nah, we actually want to have him on. He's currently a bishop. We want to have him on as well to talk oh, about you? his experience as a bishop working with mixed faith couples. Oh. We haven't proposed that to him yet. So if oh, he's listening. I know he would love to do that. <laughs> we'd love to have him on. I don't know. None of my children are introverts, by the way. None, not not None. a one. All six of them, and it's just—I think it might even just get worse as it goes because it ends on a, it ends on a the, high or low note. However you look at it, you're definitely the most extroverted. Mm. I don't know any other any other stories about about the church. Well, with I your loved kids the up? structure, and I loved the guidance that it gave to you as because I felt like even though comparing the world then to the world today it's a lot more challenging now it was still very challenging and i felt like your membership in the church and your your um you know acceptance of the commandments and the teachings was a definite help to all of you Mm -hmm. and keeping you mostly out of trouble right i mean no one's perfect right none of you were perfect but i i think that i mean and maybe i depended on the church more than I should have, but I always felt like, you know, if we were trying our best to live the commandments and do what we thought was right, that things would work out. And I felt like they did. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I mean, no one died. No one died. <laughs> no, I, I can jump in to talk about the home experience just for 30 seconds. Is we had to take gr- longer if you want. We had, <laughs> no, we had, I had a great experience growing up in, in the Mount home and in the church. Uh, growing up in Santa Barbara, California, wasn't too shabby. We didn't, we kind of skipped a lot of the details of what took you there, but that was not only a beautiful and awesome place to to grow up, but it was also, it wasn't densely LDS, but it wasn't also sparse. Right, we had wards. We had wards and a stake, and, and a stake in there, and we are we were what four miles from the stake center, and that was our church building, our meeting house that we went to every Sunday. Our neighbors across the street were LDS. That was the only other one on the street for most of my childhood until until the the Prats Prats came in. (laughs) Hi. They won't be listening, probably. (laughs) And that's a classic LDS name, too, the Prats. Right. They are descendants. They are related. So, yeah, I mean, it was was good. I I never felt growing up that that the, the teachings that you were giving to us in the home from the church were bad by any stretch of the imagination. I think I don't really remember a lot or really any negative experiences with the church while I was growing up. I don't. I I I mean you remember and I've I haven't talked about it on our podcast but I talked about it on Mormon Stories when John Delin interviewed us. You may recall just before my mission some experiences with having to talk to the bishop 
that were very difficult. At the time, I did not see them as negative experiences. I mean, they weren't, well, yeah, they were negative experiences, but not the church's fault. It felt like it was my fault. Like I had made big mistakes and had to come back from them and finally make it out to a mission. How tender of a topic would it be to ask what it was like when you're raising kids, when they are making some serious decisions that are not in line with the gospel? That was difficult. My situation was hard. Well, yours was yours was difficult. Mostly for me was watching you because you had a you had a hard time. Yeah. The following that decision, you know, the time between your decision and then the time you actually left on your mission, I think you struggled really hard. Yeah, and by struggled it was not with you know, continuing to follow the gospel. It was, uh, for everybody, we've skipped a lot of details, but it was almost like depression. Yeah. I mean, I, I had received my mission call then afterwards went to the Bishop, not immediately, but within a month or so. And then they said, you can't go. You're going to have to resubmit your papers in a few months. Had to wait a year. Basically the closer we got to the date that I was going to leave, Everyone in the ward is asking, even non-LDS friends are like, why aren't you supposed to be in Spain? That was hard. I remember you telling me at one point that you just felt like everyone in the family was moving on and you were stuck Mm. and you were really down about it. Yeah, that was that was tough. That was a hard time. My my first reaction when you came and talked to me, of course, was I was shocked and saddened but not it didn't take me long before I felt like I was encouraged because I really felt like you were listening to the spirit Mm. or you wouldn't have done that right and I thought that is a really really neat thing because you couldn't do what you had been asked to do because you didn't feel like you know you sure and I felt like that was a really good good thing yeah I remember telling you and dad and dad saying, <laughs> and you, you tried to shut him up. I remember this. Do you remember th- that moment where I won't use exactly his words? Not that he, he didn't curse or anything, but he said, it was, it was this, wasn't it? It was this, wasn't it? And I said, yes, dad. He's, I told you, I told you to be careful. And you're like, Jim, Jim, Jim. And he, he flared up and got upset, which was predictable and understandable. Yeah. And you went into the kitchen and I just sat there and he went into the bedroom. the bedroom. You went to the kitchen and I sat there and you just went to the to the sink and just started crying and I just sat there and went, "Oh my gosh." And then do you know what I did after that? I did a tour. I went to James Tate's house. Mm. Knocked on I his knew that you had knocked on his and door. Gone. Yeah. And I said, "I want you to learn a lesson from this because I can't go on my mission because of the choices I've made. Don't do it." And he hugged me, and then I went to I went to my ex girlfriend's house, who was not LDS, and I told her she was really mad at the church, and then mad at me because she she essentially thought I was telling her I regret everything I ever I regret our relationship, and I was and it's how do you explain that in a five minute at the door conversation, mm-hmm. and that was like the last time we talked in person. Really, she mm-hmm. came to my farewell, but other than that, like we haven't. It's been 20 years almost. <laughs> I talked to her. I don't know if I ever told you that. Did I you? called her and talked to her. Really? Yeah. About this? I just wanted her to know that 
there were no, I mean, I just. I had no idea. Yeah, I just wanted, because I knew her pretty well. Yeah, she was around she was a lot. Our house a we lot, dated for and, over a year. And I just told her I was sorry that things had ended, you know. Yeah. However, it had ended and that I had no hard feelings and and I, that I really liked her. And that was, she was our great. little conversation. That, I had no idea. That's very nice of you to do. <laughs> it wasn't easy because, you know, I don't like to do things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Well, that's a good little side side tangent story. Yeah. Oh, fun. That was the only mistake I ever made in my life. So uh, now it's documented. So, uh, <laughs> okay. So um, I don't know. Before we get to now, we're, we can talk about uh, your kids. Um, what what started in your mind? What started the departure or the loss of faith? I guess you could say the transitioning of faith. Anything else in the kind of the child rearing years and kids going on missions and getting married themselves that you'd like to talk about? I just felt like very blessed and I didn't feel like we in any way forced anybody to do anything Mm -hmm. we had and you weren't compliant personalities but we never had issues of you guys refusing to go to church or refusing to go to seminary or yeah I mean we just didn't deal with that and and I always felt like that was a blessing Mm -hmm. I'm sure you didn't always want to go and you didn't always you know, want to do what you did, but, and you're pretty strong personalities. So it right. kind of surprises me that we didn't have more. Didn't have any. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. For me, it was just, this is what we do. It's what we always did. We yeah. always went to the church. We always went to seminary. That's just what this part of the program. Because I remember dad saying to me at one point, well, they, as long as they live in our house, they're going to go to church. And I said, well, how are you going to get a 20 year old or 18 year old man to church if he says he doesn't want to go i mean i didn't see it as you know that automatic and that never happened and it never happened so (laughs) that was a we were very blessed yeah Yeah, that's great that's great (laughs) so and i don't think it was fear of dad at all because he never he just didn't have to threaten he didn't have to threaten i mean he threatened but not about the church not about the church yeah (laughs) he was a red personality for those that understand what that means yeah Uh, but he never he never, th- yeah, I don't, yeah, you're right. He never had to threaten about the church. It just never was an issue, which yep. is unusual. <laughs> yeah. We're already going through it yeah. with ours. And I think part of that is when you do have a united front yeah, and as husband and wife, and, and you can have a united front while you don't agree. We talked, our lesson today at home church was respectfully disagreeing mm-hmm. and openly, we didn't talk about anything religious, but opening, openly acknowledging that mom and I don't always agree with each other, but we do so respectfully. But having the beliefs align, the message is so clear to the kids that that's probably a part of it. I think that in a mixed faith marriage, part of the (laughs) active teaching of the kids that it's okay to disagree and you can believe what you're going to believe and let's talk about it. I think that something happens in the mind Um, And I'm thinking specifically of our oldest, something happens in the mind that lets, like he knows it's okay to disagree, to think differently and it's okay to talk about it. And yeah, I mean, he told us, we talked about it on the podcast. I don't know if you heard it, but he told us a month and a half ago, he's atheist. Did you know that? No. Yeah. And I was very impressed with especially Katie's reaction of why do you say that? And we just talked about it and. Of the kids of yours that have moved on, some of them may, I bet all of them would attribute their their transition of faith 
to varying degrees, they would, they would attribute it to what ended up happening to our father, which is certainly not a fun topic to talk about. From your point of view, I mean, maybe so you don't have to be the one to, to explain what happened. I think we've talked about it here a number of times on the podcast, but I'll, I'll do a little brief overview. From a spiritual and belief sense, I'd love to hear what you think about uh, what that event meant. And if that was kind of the catalyst, if that kicked things off for people, just from what your eyes, what you saw. So in August 2013, my father was struck by a drive, uh, a drunk driver and ended up living for one week in the hospital and then passed. Uh, we could dedicate a whole episode to that experience, much more than just one episode as well. It was, it was terrible. It brought us closer together. Those that were still here, uh, the community just wrapped us up. His funeral was one of the most, I'll say one of the most memorable days that I can't imagine how it could be topped as one of the top three memorable days of my life. Cause it was an extremely positive day. Awful that it had to happen. Yeah, it was right? both extremes. It was walking into the chapel and it was full. And he, you guys had only been in Georgia for four years. And I think that spoke deeply to who he was and the um <laughs> I'm not the one that's supposed to cry <laughs> just the man that he was and how he immersed himself in people serving others and uh in four short years had really become a a, a big member of the community in more ways than just 6 foot 8 <laughs> yep you take his extroverted personality and his life experiences because he came mm. He became much more service-oriented and giving the older he got. Right. And especially the last, I'd say the last 10 years of his life, he was he was kind of a different person in, <laughs> in a couple of different ways. But sure. he, he developed um, a compassion and a caring for people that was just really pretty neat. It was, it was very cool to see. So that awful event happens. Did you, do you attribute that to to any of your kids and their transitioning? Was there was there ever a point that you blamed it on that? If this wouldn't have happened, they would still be a, still be a believing. Well, for of the me, church. I cannot, for the life of me, see how that would trigger what happened. Okay, I for me that week and subsequent weeks were I felt the spirit very strongly and mm -hmm. I felt like we did as a family and perhaps I mean I think that you have said that that triggered some things for you and I think for other of your siblings maybe sure. I think one other one has said that to me yeah I just I don't really understand that I I've never been able to feel like that could be a trigger sure but one of the problems, one of the big difficulties for me was that I didn't know what was going on. With your kids? With my kids. For a long time. Yeah. I don't even know when it started. I didn't find out until they had already made the decision. Made the decision. Two of them, at least, had made the decision to leave. Yeah. And then they told me. And for me, that was a really difficult thing. It was would, really difficult. What do you think you would have 
uh, how would have you? How would you have? <laughs> I'm not saying that right. No, I know what you mean. How uh, would have I reacted if it? they would have told you earlier? They would have told you like, "Hey, mom." And what would you expect them to say in that moment? Because I think this is a this is an important question because a lot of times I can speak for myself. A lot of times when you start to question or you're starting to research church history or starting to open up emotionally about some of the things that that you've experienced you expect it to resolve itself. So you don't say anything to anybody, sometimes not even your wife or your husband. You just, you have some issues. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. I'm just going to read one more thing. I'm just going to listen to one more podcast. I'm just going to talk to one more bishop. And you think that it's all going to sort itself out. And then when it doesn't, you found yourself concluded and you're like, well, shoot, now I have to tell my mom and dad. Well, and I think it came so soon after dad's death that probably that factored into your decisions to not say anything because maybe you felt like I was, you know, in a precarious... Not in a place to... To handle anything like that. It was a little different for me. I never really told you this is my conclusion. I never had this this sit-down moment with you. I was in Utah. You were in Georgia. uh, 2017. So the accident happened August of 2013. And it wasn't until 2017 that um, some of the other siblings, two other siblings came to you in the beginning five or six months of that year to say, this is how things are now. I wasn't one of those. Well, do you want to hear how it happened to me? With me? With with everybody. Please. Yeah. And you don't... We can, we'll keep it in, but we don't, we don't need to name names. Right. (laughs) So even though I'm sure they would be fine with it. So at one point we were all in the same ward in Georgia. Right. There's four families. Four out of the six. We're all in the same ward. Kids, yeah. And then they split the ward. So I was in a different ward from all the kids, except except the one that lived with me. Right. So that lasted for a year and a half. And then um they were putting the wards back together again. And I assume because then I was going to see that things were not the same mm. in the family. The first one to talk to me came and said, we, and this was like a week before we were meeting back together, Yeah, came and said, our family is out of the church. We're leaving. We're out. We're, yeah. not, in, we're not in the process. We are out. And I had had no clue. Yeah. No clue. Um. So then the next morning I was driving to meet um the wife of that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To babysit and I got a call from Utah. Me? No, it was Katie. Oh, oh and Katie. she said, "Have you talked to Alan?" And I said, "No." And I mean, I was a basket case. Sure. I I'm not, I can't hide it. I, it was devastating to me. Of course. Just the one. Yeah. So I'm driving uh, the very next day and Katie says, have you talked to Alan? And I said, not recently. You know, what's up? She goes, well, I think you should talk to him. She hinted to the fact that it had something to do with the church. For some reason, we had a bad connection and it, mm. and it cut out. And it was, by the time I got to the meeting place, I was... I was pretty much... You're a mess. I was a mess. She asked me, what, you know, what's wrong? And I I said something. And, and 
we need we don't need to talk about that conversation but it was not an easy conversation it wasn't easy and i and i was just blown away at what was happening yeah do you feel like so this first child that told you that his family was taken off leaving the church i mean there's no good way of doing it i guess there is no i mean i can't imagine doing that doesn't matter how but was there anything about the way that he did it that you that you appreciated? Did it feel like he was he knew that this was going to be difficult for you? Well, he he took the time necessary. I mean, he didn't you know he didn't say this and then go right. home. He had actually picked me up at the airport from I'd come home from a trip to California, and he stayed until you know I was didn't have any more to say. Sure. And uh, one of the complications, too, was that my oldest son was the bishop. And so I, when I returned home from the picking up the grandchild to babysit, I called him and I said, what is going on? You yeah. know, I said, Cameron talked to me last night. And, yeah. and, and he's like, well, oh, what did he tell you? What did he say? You know, he had to be... He had to play... He had to be the confidential bishop. Right. And until I said what I... You know, then he, he kind of let let you. Know, yeah, I've talked to him. And, yeah. yeah, and then he could kind of talk to me a little bit, but still, sure, not a lot. Yeah. Now there was another child who had been kind of in and out, not in and out, just kind of out, but not for reasons that I thought were doctrinal. Sure. That um, that so that was three, and then in the following months, the fourth child. Started. Am, I, am I the fourth? No. Oh, I, I, I was thought you the third and or you and Cameron were about almost the same time. Okay. Um, and then the the fourth one talked to me about. We talked the whole time. Yeah. That 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 decision was being made. Okay, so she actually took a different approach. Yeah. Of talking through it as it was happening. Yeah. Okay. I can't say that the end result was any easier, but the process was, and I, and I had more understanding for what she was doing yeah. and what was happening. So, would you say, in general, <laughs> in your experience, if you, <laughs> in general, you would say that knowing earlier is makes it easier for you to understand? Yes. Okay. Because I still don't totally, um, never totally understand, but I don't really understand exactly the process for you. You've right. told me, we had a couple of pretty We did have a few conversations. conversations where you explained a lot, but I still, you know, if I was to try and replay what what your experience was, I I have a much clearer picture of the Of hers, child she was, because she was involving you yeah, with it. Yeah. And maybe not all parents would have the emotional stamina to to be with their kid at every step of the way, especially when it ends with them leaving. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And I I know one thing that was upsetting to me. Sure. Was I found out pretty pretty soon on that several of you had been on a chat room together for yeah. quite a while. I don't know how long, but that really hurt. Mm. So we have a a private chat that we can talk about our things is that to this day is it something that you understand the need for now or is it still something like 
you know, things have, things have happened to me in the last, what is it, three years? Yeah. Two, three? three yeah, yeah. One of the things that has happened is that I realize that I am a different generation than you, and I'm, I'm a mother, and you guys are all peers, and right. I'm not a peer. Yeah. Someone else actually said that to me. I went to counseling for a while after this. You know, it was, I don't understand why, but the experience of four children leaving the church was infinitely more difficult for me than losing dad. Wow. It, I don't know why. I mean, I, you wouldn't think that would be the case, but. Is there a part of it that feels like I lost him? Is does the doctrine come into it? I lost him physically, but. We're going to be together, but if they make I'm this sure that's choice, part of it. Yeah. are we going to be together? And I felt, um, I felt a great sustaining spirit when dad went through that yeah. and lots of positive thoughts came to my mind all the time. That didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> for a long time. There have been more. There have there, been more there positive have been thoughts some now. Positive I think that's, now. that's where we'd like to go next is... Being, being a little more specific about some of the difficult aspects of a child leaving and then some of the things that have helped you um, a little bit more. So we just mentioned briefly the doctrinal side of it of if they're making this decision, what does my heaven look like? What is the next life? When we're supposed to be together, what's going to happen? How prevailing of a thought is that? That's pretty... pretty. S- still to this day? It's just the fact that for me... That belief and that testimony is so strong. Yeah. And so to think that the people that are closest to me don't share that, that's a pretty, it's pretty hard. Yeah, I can, I, but I understand. You know, I, I, for a while, I don't know how many weeks, but I couldn't even walk in the church without crying. I, I mean, remember it was that. horrible. I remember in 2018 when Jackson received the priesthood. Do you remember this day? I do remember that We did that in Georgia. Very clearly. We were in the pew, and one of the songs was being sung. And do you remember the interaction between you and me? Mm Mm-hmm. You wrapped your arm around me and said, I am so sorry, this must be such a hard day for you. And I was super, super impressed that you you had the emotional intelligence and empathy to to feel what I was feeling at the moment. Well, I felt that was a blessing to me because it was a very what would you say, turmoil. The whole experience was filled yeah. with turmoil. Yeah, it was. And um, and I, you know, it, it's easy to say, well, if you hadn't done this, it wouldn't be turmoil, you know, or sure. or you wouldn't, if, 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 you know. But I just remember feeling that love for you. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I mean, I take that as one of my cherished experiences. Because well, I feel like that's the pure love of Christ. And it came through... And that's what I felt through the whole blessing. Well, I him. felt that love big time. So thank you for that's that moment. Good. That was a big moment in our relationship personally. What else as far as difficulties, seeing seeing your kids start to make different choices? Was that hard? So word of wisdom comes to mind of that's a very easy to see different physical choice that they're making. What was that? A- that's, that's very... It's very strange. <laughs> and is it, are all things created equal? Is it just as hard to see coffee versus alcohol? I don't know that there's, I mean, alcohol seems a little more because. Dramatic. Yeah, there's... because I've, I mean, you know, 
I've seen bad results from alcohol consumption. People typically don't hurt others when they're drinking, <clears throat> drinking coffee. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and last summer was very difficult, as you know. Yeah, we had, I think we mentioned it here, but we had a karaoke night one night. I think that behind the scenes, a few of us that had left were hoping that it could be a night that everyone came, both believers and not. Not that we classified it that way, but just we wanted to invite everybody over and we would have the cooler with any assortment of drinks far away from the action so that if anybody wanted a drink, they can go get it. So we had this this utopian idea of how this night was going to go and it didn't go that way. I mean, it ended up that Katie was the only person that, that really was still in the church that came until some of the nieces and nephews showed up, the adult nieces and nephews, a few hours in. And for us, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. But on the other side, there was what was happening in your mind that night. Well, actually, by that point, I was, um, in fact, I felt like I, at the beginning of that summer, I was a little bit dreading the whole summer because I knew things had progressed and, you know, the shift or the split was more. Right. But I had this neat experience. I was actually listening to a podcast, and it was about how to handle, you know, when your when your loved ones leave, when a loved one, a loved one leaves the church. <laughs> did you listen to it four times? I did listen okay, to good. it four times. But anyway, I got this. I don't know what you'd call it, but I felt like it was an, a revelation or an inspiration to stay above the fray the whole summer. Just just enjoy the people. Yeah. Not get, you know, embroiled in all the stuff. Just, and if there's something that I don't want to go to, then, then don't say go. don't go. Cameron, who was the host of that night, was kind enough to tell me beforehand that there might be alcohol there. Yeah. And I appreciated that. And I said, okay, well, I just, I think I'll stay home. And I was glad I did. Yeah. And I didn't really react strongly in any sure. way. I mean, I just felt like the only reaction I had was that one of my kids said they felt like they were being judged. And I said, well, I want you to know I wasn't judging you. I did not want to see my children do that thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I didn't want to witness it. But and maybe in a way that's a judgment. But I didn't feel like I was saying, oh, my gosh, you're so bad. You know, don't. I just I have bad memories of people drinking too much in my past mm-hmm. and I didn't want to see any of my family in that situation. Yeah. I don't think it happened, but it didn't. It's just the possibility and sure. and so I just sure. stayed home and and then next day watched the drama unfold. <laughs> <laughs> Any other things that your kids would say or do or not say or do that would make this more difficult was there any ways of speaking to you or things that that you had a child say that for example i feel like you're judging me was there anything like that that was that was like that made it harder that this was happening well i think our situation was i never can think of the word but not exaggerated but exacerbated by the fact that there were four right and so when we were together I did feel like there was a division and that, you know, discussions were being had with those four and right. that the rest of us were not part of or whatever, but also vice versa. I don't know. 
Um, one of the hardest things for me is is grandchildren because I don't. It makes me sad that they're not getting the benefits of you know the gospel in some cases. Sure. And and I don't feel like I can really be involved in that. I I just don't feel that's my place. Right. To well, do that. I think a lot of people listening uh, wish that their parents would feel that way. Because it's very hard as a parent if some some parents decide to go the opposite route instead of acknowledging that this is not my child, it's not within my responsibility, or even it's not appropriate for me to do that. Some of them do it behind the scenes. Some parents yeah. will pull kids aside and be as blatant as saying, "No matter what you do, do not follow your dad." I mean, that's divisive. Yeah, that's really bad. Yeah. I've never felt threatened from you and I almost said, or dad, of course not, but, um, I've never felt maybe a bigger threat. Actually, <laughs> That's true. Let's, let's see. But yeah, I've never felt that. Well, quite early on, I had an, I had the feeling very strongly that I had been able to raise my family the way I wanted to, that I chose to raise them and that my kids deserved the same opportunity. Yeah. And I'm, by nature, not a meddler. Yeah, you don't meddle. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I agree. Don't you don't. Meddle. You don't meddle. But that's that's a little difficult because, I, like I said, I felt like the church helped you guys through a lot of difficult situations, and now there's so many more, and I just worry about my grandkids. Sure. So do you do you think that there are um, other ways of accomplishing the same goals? other whether it's belief systems or philosophies of raising children that can have the same outcome for your kids that the gospel did and that might be a really complicated question it is complicated i i mean i think there are a lot of wonderful people that are not lds right i think the gospel is a source of great wisdom mm -hmm. no matter what church is teaching it because the basics the basics are the same I think that that's a, a big benefit for a family. I think it is possible to raise good, strong, morally strong people. I think it's possible. I think and, it's a lot and, harder yeah, without the gospel. I mean, rewinding an hour now, <laughs> it provided a structure. It provided a, a manual of this is how you do it. Yeah. So when, especially when you, uh, trust me, <laughs> just so you know, as my parent, uh, as a parent, me, um, stepping outside of that structure, it's confusing and hard for me too. It's, it's not one of the, it's one of those things that it's like, uh, I'm not stepping, I'm not trying to step away from all the benefits and all the good that it, that it, I acknowledge that it gave me. I just, I don't believe it anymore. I have no choice but to step away. And in some ways I felt like I was pushed away, not by you by any means. And so it's it's one of those, <laughs> I'm not choosing to not have this. I just have to figure out what to do now. Mm -hmm. And thank you for acknowledging that clearly I know the gospel means the world to you, especially the gospel through the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm not pretending to say that you are acknowledging that other paths are just as just as good, but you are acknowledging that there are other ways to bring up morally strong, good, good kids. Yes. Cool. 
<laughs> that felt like more of a line of questioning you would see in a jury trial. <laughs> I want to be clear, Mrs. Mount. Is this what you mean? Okay, so let's. This is going longer than we expected, but I, I you'll it's, cut it. And it's it's fine. fine. I'm not going to cut it. I think it's great. We've had episodes that have gone this long before. I will ask now because I think this is pretty important for other parents that may be listening. This is probably an episode that some of our listeners are going to share with their family. If their parents are brand new to this, this is 2017 for them. They've got one, two, three, four more kids that have that have uh, stepped away. Those first few months, those first few years, even today can be difficult. What are the things that have been very helpful? Whether something that your child has done, maybe we'll start there. Is there anything that that your kids have done that I've actually helped in the process? Well, my kids have been very um, consistent in maintaining a good relationship. There hasn't, I haven't, I haven't felt like the relationship itself has suffered as much as it could have if there had been more antagonism between between us i for a while i felt like and and maybe this is just the victim attitude but i felt like there wasn't a lot of concern about how is this affecting you mom yeah <laughs> but again i mean that's a difficult I don't know what I would have said if you had said, how is this affecting you and what, you know, what can I do? Yeah. But I, I really felt alone, really alone for a long time because if dad had been there, I, you know, could have shot, shot it off with him and right. talked about him mm-hmm. and, and he would have, you know, he would have taken it. I don't know what he would have done, but that's <laughs> actually, I've, trust me, I've <laughs> thought a lot about how would this have gone differently yeah. with dad? Ten, I mean, the late stages dad, much more compassionate it would and loving. Have been, yeah. If this would have happened in 2002, it may, oh boy, I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know. And, and somebody in the family made the comment that at one point that, well, I don't think it would have happened if Jim was still around. Hmm. And then that made me feel like, what am I, you know, chopped liver? I mean, <laughs> what is my what is my testimony worth or what is my opinion worth? Because if it wouldn't have happened if he was here, what difference, you know, I mean... I mean, I can respond to that. You understand what I feel? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can respond Oops, to that sorry. real quick. There's a couple of ways to think that. The, the accident itself, thinking of if dad wasn't around or if he was still around, it wouldn't have happened. There is a line of thought that says, um, the way that I explain it is that when dad passed, it kind of chinked my emotional armor so that I was, I was, when I was confronted with information that was difficult to reconcile, I was emotionally prepared to accept an alternative answer. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So Dad, the, my entire experience with dad had nothing to do with my with my beliefs, nothing to do with it. But it probably opened me up emotionally to be susceptible to things, to thinking different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. But the other side is if he's still around and he's what you said a little while ago of well, as long as they're in my house, they're going to go to church. If that's the attitude that he takes, I don't think that that stops the change. I think that just makes it more private. I think that that would, the kids would change, especially if we're not in the same ward. If I'm here in Utah, we have a lot of listeners that say, oh, I've been out of the church for seven years and my parents don't know, don't know. because they live in Maryland. 
And I'm in California. Well, I really think what triggered it with with the first one was that we were going to be back in the same building. And so he had, he was going to be confronted with it. I was going to see it. that, yeah. Yeah, and but, I mean, some of those milestones are really difficult. But we've got a baptism in a year. I'm going to have to say something if, unless my bishop lets me do it. Am I okay with doing that? So it's, there's a lot of these moments that kind of force this, the situation. Some of the things that are hard for me to look at are the struggles that my kids have. And I always felt like the fact that dad and I were united in religion was one less struggle. I mean, we had our struggles. Sure just like everybody else, but that one was not one of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, we never doubted each other as far as our strength or faith or whatever. And another thing is that I felt like I have had a lifetime of experience of seeing the result of living the gospel and knowing that these things came because of it. Right. Now, like you just said a few minutes ago, there are other ways and there are other ways and and I think I've realized that more recently. Sure. For a long time, I I probably felt like the reason things have gone the way they've gone is because we've been faithful and yeah. trying to yeah. be faithful. Do you think that you've learned any lessons in your children leaving that have been a blessing? You've learned lessons or ways of thinking, ways of coping, ways of understanding that you otherwise wouldn't have learned. Well, I've appreciated, I've grown to appreciate the importance of agency and the fact that everybody goes through their own, their own life and everybody goes through their own set of challenges and everybody makes their own decisions. Whatever one person goes through, that's what they are given and that's what they have to do. And it's not a cookie cutter thing. My kids are not all going to go the same way. And maybe I had expected more of that. I don't know. Yeah. So just appreciating each person's own right to live their life the way they see the best. This we're kind of jumping all over, but I know this. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, I keep am coming to my mind. I know, and I keep asking questions that aren't <laughs> on this specific topic. But was there a point then? You've learned that lesson of agency. I think that ties into you not quote blaming yourself. Did, was there any point where you? felt like, if I would have done this, or if I could have stopped this. You know, I really didn't have a lot of problem with that. Good. And not that I felt like I was this great, perfect mother, but I, and dad and I even talked about this a few times, that we felt like we were doing the best we could with what we had been given as far as training and being, you know, taught ourselves. And, And I know there are things we could have done better, but... On the other hand, I don't know if we could have done any differently in the situation that we were. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. I felt like we did try hard. That one I'll say family, try hard. You tried hard. Yes. That one family home evening that you missed, that didn't ruin everything, right? <laughs> we missed quite a few. <laughs> well, with six kids and everybody playing three sports, I think it was impossible <laughs> to not miss something. But that was a, ble- that was a blessing that maybe a lot of people do feel a lot of that, yeah. you know, oh well, gosh, I, I must have made a big mistake. Sure. So what other positive resources did you find? Whether it's things that your kids did or said, or you mentioned a podcast. Do you, do you want to tell everyone a few podcasts that you listened to that were helpful? Well, I've listened to Jody Moore. Yeah. 
And at the She's at that time in this space, for yeah, sure. she was addressing some of those very things. So that would have been summer of twenty nineteen, spring of twenty nineteen. Maybe 18, partly. Okay. I don't know. I so you can go back and look at those. I, exactly I think she may readdress the same issues after X amount of time, but Jody yeah. Moore. She was others? the one that gave that one podcast that really helped me with that summer experience. I remember you talking to me about that during, during that the summer, summer experience. The yeah. three, three things you can do to... Three things you should do and three things you shouldn't do. Do you remember what they were? At least any of them? I've got them written down. One was... Never the, sit the down to record were, a podcast with one of your kids. The three don'ts were J's. One was probably judging. Mm-hmm. Jurisdiction. That was a big one. Okay. So it's not your responsibility. It's, responsibility. it's their agency. It's their agency. You've learned that for sure. And oh, the last one with a J was a funny word. Like jitters or j- oh, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> anyway. Sometimes they stretch the alliterations to... Yeah. And then the the positive things were, um, one of them I remember was curiosity. Ask the person. And that was a yeah. big one for me. Was that hard to do? It was, but I did it with a, you know, with a, a couple of, and it was almost a good experience. Well, I remember we, we walked up Ensign Peak together. We've talked more than And that most. was in the fall of 2017. So that was pretty early. That was before you learned that lesson from the podcast, at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. And true. we, I mean, I brought up... CES letter and mm-hmm. we talked about spe- I mean truth claim truth claim truth claim stuff yeah we didn't fight we I remember talking passionately about a few things yeah. but I don't feel like we left the conversation bad no no I don't good I'm glad we feel the same way yeah that's good no okay that so that was a good one um I remember um specifically asking one of my family how that was a, probably a year after or how how are you doing down a year, you know, mm-hmm. a year from when you've made this decision? And we had a nice little talk about, you know, everything wasn't rosy, but sure. But, you know, they were working through it. And yeah. So you recently started reading like David Osler's Bridges book. Well, you mentioned to me a few weeks ago when we were delivering laundry because we didn't want you to go to a laundry. That's mat. right. They've been my laundry <laughs> servants. You you mentioned you had read a little bit of that. Are there any other kind of sources that have been helpful for you? And they can be church sources too. I mean, if certain talks or certain anything that has been helpful. Mm, I can't think of anything specific. I know I read some of Planted. Mm-hmm. I haven't finished Patrick it. Patrick Mason. I've yeah. got a copy in there. Yeah. I know. I, I, I was looking for lots of things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think um, one of my other kids got me two little church things that were related to when a child goes astray or when a child makes a different choice. And and those were helpful. And were they books? They were, yeah, quarter-inch softback books. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that they did that. When Mormons Doubt, was that one? No. Navigating a Mormon Faith Crisis, Thomas McConkie? I've I've read some of that. Okay. But that wasn't it. That wasn't it No, these were like little... Yeah, I've still got them. I'll have to look up the name. Sure. But just, I think, uh, listening to leaders of the church and their advice and their... There's been some really good talks to parents about, you know, how to handle it and how to navigate it. And so that's... It's always love that comes through to me. To me. I'm glad that you said that. To the top of the talks. I know it's not... 
always oh, that Oh, it's not always case. that way. I think that, I mean, it shows you, you tend to see and receive messages <laughs> based on where you're at. Yeah, I mean, right? that's I mean, true. I mean, there's no other way to receive them. Yep. I remember, and maybe this will be one of the last things we talk about, but we had a little bit of a difficult exchange in the April 2019 General Conference after President Nelson's Come Unto Me talk. Oh. Do you remember that? Yes. You were in Arizona? I was in Arizona. Yeah. Good memory. Where? Because it was on the phone. We had the talk. Oh, I remember that. It was um, his talk. Was that one of... How did you feel after that talk? Well, I felt a little sad. What this is known as, I don't know if you would ever heard heard this before, but this is known as the sad heaven talk. Oh. This is, you're going to get to heaven. And are you going to, I mean, are you going to see your family? Like it, it matters. It depends on what you do. Do you want your family to be there? It was the sad heaven talk. So you were sad afterwards. I was sad thinking about the possible feelings that, especially Katie, that I, that she might be having. And one thing that I really feel strongly about is that this life is not all. It's not over mm-hmm. with this life. And it's gonna. we're going to go on learning and we're going to go on progressing. And so I'm, I don't feel like, okay, when, I, when we die, that's it. Sure. The, the decision is made. I, sure. I just don't feel that. So it, it didn't have a particularly strong negative feeling for me. Mm-hmm. Until I talk to you. <laughs> Until you talk to me. And I let you know and how I, I was feeling. And I realized how, you know, yeah. And it's good to realize how, how would that come across? I mean, there was one this last conference that I, you know, I didn't yeah. take it. I, I do remember feeling like, ooh, that's different language for him. Unruly child. Yeah. Yeah. That was a different language for him. But I didn't. Didn't sting. It didn't sting. And I felt like I knew what he was. I felt like I knew what he was trying to convey and so then when you had that reaction i thought wow you know it it is amazing how two people can get yeah a very different reaction for sure i mean i i knew that that here's the great thing about where we're at in our relationship and same thing with katie is that i don't feel that anything either a leader of the church or a leader outside of the church says is going to affect our relationship if a leader of the church said, oh, I don't know, maybe this is going a bit strong, but if a leader of the church said you need to distance yourself from family members that have left the church, I don't know that you would do it. I don't, no. I just, I, and I don't think that they would say they something would never, so blatant yeah. like that. So it's yeah. kind of, I'm making an example that probably isn't very realistic, but I don't, I didn't, in that moment when President Nukdorf said those words, I had no fear over. Katie thinking that I was an unruly child, you thinking I was an unruly child. A lot of people aren't in that same situation where talks like that are used against them. And I was worried that some family members that are still in on both sides of our families, both mine and Katie would, that would be filed into the little category of their opinion of me. And that's really hard and that's really frustrating. And, and so, yeah. Well, no, I, cause I've watched your process and, it's been, I know how painful it's been. It's tough. It's been not something that you did because you were, you know, trying to. I didn't want it to happen. Yeah. Whether we you agree with the conclusion or not. Right. So. It's a painful well, thing. For sure. I, I'm glad that we have, hopefully people can hear in an hour and a half conversation that we have a good relationship. We can't touch. 
No, not yet. How are we not going to hug at the end of this? <laughs> but we're not somehow. Not that we're like we're in an unventilated uh, office that you know you're probably breathing. We're all breathing the same air, so maybe I should hug you anyway. Um, I want to say one more thing. Oh, please do. Stop. Let's not stop. Keep go ahead. This is just a little thing. Please do. I don't know if you remember there was a testimony meeting when in Georgia when. I think you were there on a business trip and you just popped in. We didn't know you were coming or whatever. And all six of the kids were in the Mm. meeting and I got up and bore my testimony and I said several things. But one thing I said was that my testimony was strengthened by the, by watching my children and they're, you know, living the gospel gospel and, and how that strengthened my testimony. And, and I've learned in the four years since that our testimony can't be, I mean, it, I guess it could be strengthened by other people, but it can't be based on other people. Right. I've looked closer at my testimony and why I believe the things I believe. And it's kind of made me more conscious of, you know, why I'm doing the things I'm doing. And I've kind of had to build up my own strength again i mean right. it, it kind of shot the ground out from under me mm-hmm. and uh, i think after dad died i really depended on the family a lot more and i've kind of had to become more independent i think is what so that could spiritually be a... and otherwise yeah so i think maybe that's another kind of gift quote yeah. unquote of of what has happened it's not all hard and all and being be, learning to be more independent is hard but yeah. it's it's a struggle that you necessar- wouldn't necessarily have had to go through if this hadn't happened. If this hadn't happened. I think that's what we see in mixed faith marriage too. It, this isn't something we would have chosen to go into. We don't recommend faith crises for anyone. I don't either. And we don't recommend people go into a mixed faith marriage on purpose, especially after they started the relationship in one faith. It's not something you look to do. But when it happens there are positives that come of it. And in fact, Katie and I have seen that there are more positives and it's because of the struggle. It's because of the difficult lessons that have to be learned that make it a positive experience. There's a lot of bumps and bruises along the way and healing from those. It's the same as lifting weights. You rip those muscles to make them, make them stronger. And so you get hurt along the way, but you recover from it. Anything else you would like to say? I could end on a negative note. Oh, you have a I'm more negative thing? I'm not to the point yet where I look back and think, I'm glad this happened because I wouldn't be experiencing this if it hadn't. Right. Well, I don't know that I would say the same about our relationship. I don't yeah. look back and say, I'm glad this happened. But I can look. Maybe did I just contradict myself? Did I no, say that? No, I just wanted to clarify that. No, I'm, no, I'm glad <laughs> that you I'm said that. Because I'm not on that. I'm not on that position And yet. that's... I understand that. <laughs> I don't think I'm glad that, that Katie and I are in the situation we're in either. I just recognize that there are there are positives, for sure. Yeah. So if there are other parents of those that have transitioned away from the church that are listening, what parting words of advice or any kind of message, a positive message, we'll say, a positive would, message. You, would you have for them? I think what I've said recent, you know, most recent was that I have really looked inside as to why I have lived the life I've lived and why I have made the decisions I've just made Yeah. and really what were those based on. And it goes back to spiritual experiences that I've had. And so I've remembered those and I've been grateful for him. 
Elaine, thank you very much. I'll just say it. Mom, thank you very much. Love you. <laughs> Love you too. We're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go Oh